Psalm 37, open your Bible if you would. I guess if I had a message, a title for this would be In His Steps, or it would be Don't Waste Your Sorrows, either one. But I know it's a word from God, it's a word for you. God knew you were going to be here, and so He gave me this word for you at this particular point in your life. You know, it is obvious that when you were conceived in the womb of your mother and you came into this world, even before that, God had a purpose for your life. Now, He didn't just create us to live and to die. He created us to fulfill the purpose that He has for each one of us. Now, in many ways, His purpose for you and me is the same. It's the same. There is a uniform purpose that each one of us have. However, there is an individual purpose that God has for every one of us. A purpose that only you can fulfill. I can't fulfill it for you and you can't fulfill it for me. And so in Psalm 37, he talks about how we're to go about Letting the Lord fulfill His purpose in our life. All right, look at verse 3 of Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land. Notice this. Feed on His faithfulness. Just feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. The word there in verse 5 says commit, but it, in the Hebrew it says roll on. It says roll on the Lord, roll your way on the Lord. Just turn it over to the Lord. Roll your way to the Lord. Trust in him. You roll your way to him and trust in him. And he will bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way. Look over in verse 18. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Now, verse 23 and 4 is the text for our message today. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. God has a purpose for you. He will order your steps if you will allow him to do so. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, are established by the Lord. And he delights in his way. God delights in his way. Though he fall, hey, God ordered our steps. He delights in his purpose for us. Sometimes we might trip up. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his right hand. 
says in verse 34, Wait on the Lord. Keep his way. He shall exalt you to inherit the land. Then verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, in time of tribulation. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Then there's another great verse about how God has a purpose. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And then you go over to Psalm 32, uh, verse 8. Just listen at this. You don't have to turn. I will instruct you. Now listen to what the Lord says to us about his plan. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Well, that's pretty plain, isn't it? He said, I've got a plan for you, a purpose for you. I'll instruct you, and I'll teach you in the way you should go. Do do not be uh, stubborn like a horse or a mule that has to be led about by bread or by bridle. He said, don't do that. He said, allow me to instruct you and teach you that you might walk in the way so that you you can have understanding of what my plan is for you. Then there's one other verse. I'm talking about God has a plan. He orders your steps. God has a plan. He instructs you and teaches you in the way you should go. But listen to Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. Created in Jesus Christ. Oh, created humanly. When you were born into this world, but then there, the first birth, but then there comes a second birth, a spiritual birth, where you're born again, and it says here, we are God's workmanship, created in Jesus Christ, unto good works, which God before ordained, that that's the way we should live. That we should walk in them. So I've given you about three verses there. That absolutely make it clear. That God has a plan for your life. A plan. Let me ask you something. God says he orders your steps. Are you walking in the steps that have been ordered by God? He says, uh, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with my, are you looking to him to lead you and to guide you? You see, God has a purpose for you that is uniquely yours. I mean, nobody else can fulfill it, but you can. And so when you were saved, he created you in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before planned that you should walk in them. Are you walking in the steps God has for you? Are you letting him lead you? Let me ask you this. There are two quotes that, uh, that I think are as significant as any two quotes I've ever heard. The first one you know. You've heard it many, 
many times. Only one life, it will soon be passed. And only what's done through Christ will last. He's saying, listen, it's just when you walk in God's steps that he's ordered for you. When you let him lead you, then you're living for eternity. And that life that you're going to live is going to be eternal. But you only have one life, and it will soon be passed. And only what's done through Christ will last. But the other quote is what Leonard Ravenhill said. And by the way, I have a picture. You know, Leonard Ravenhill was one of the greatest men of God of the last 200 years. His books have touched more lives around the world probably than any other. He, there's no way to describe his impact on the Christian world. And, and you know, they buried him out in, in Texas, and there's just a little small monument. It's, it's probably not, it, it's not any wider than this pulpit. And it's got Leonard Ravenhill. It's got the day he was born and the day he died. And then it has, has this quote. It's what you're living for worth Christ dying for. We've sang this morning about the blood of Christ, the great price that he paid so that we could be redeemed and could be children of God and can know the fullness of God. But Leonard said, but let me ask you a question. In light of the cross and his precious blood, is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? And so that's why it's so important to let the Lord order our steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. So now the question is, are you walking in his steps? I know two people. Oh, I know a whole lot more, but I'm just going to use two illustrations. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm talking about who fulfilled their purpose completely. You know, the first one was this. How many of you will be able to say this when you come to the end of your journey? This is what Jesus said. John 17, 4. Listen to Jesus. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Man. To be able to say that. Lord, you ordered my steps. You created me unto good works. You had a plan. You know, Lord, I've glorified you on earth. I finished the work that you gave me to do. Wow. And then there was another one. This one had the greatest impact on the world as far as Christianity other than Jesus. And that was Paul. You know what he said? 2 Timothy 4. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He said, Lord, you ordered my steps and I walked in them. You, you instructed me and taught me in the way I should go. And I let you go. And Lord, I want you to know I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. You know, what about your God's purpose and plan for you? What about his purpose and plan for you? 
I want to talk about uh, three things this morning. God's plan, first of all, for all of us, we need to understand that God preserves us and protects us along the way so we can fulfill His plan. Because you see, God has a plan for each of us. And I know that the devil is not omniscient. He does not know all things. He's not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere, but his demons can be. But you see, if we're going to fulfill God's plan, God has to preserve us and protect us along the way. You know, for examples... God had a plan for Moses, didn't he? But the king made a decree, I want every male child to be killed. Every male child to be killed. Spare the girls, kill the boys. You know the story that Moses' mother made a basket out of reeds, hit him in the river for three months, Pharaoh came down. Pharaoh's wife came down. There was the baby. And the long story short is that she got Moses' mother to take care of the baby. And then Moses was turned over to Pharaoh's daughter. Now let me just say one thing about God. He preserved and protected Moses. So he could fulfill the plan that God had for him. And then you go on down and you, and you come across Joseph. I mean, you talk about uh, an unusual journey of his brother selling him into slavery and of uh, Potiphar's wife lying about him. And, and here's Joseph, and, and he goes through all these things. But, but God preserved him and protected him. And I want you to listen to what Joseph said. He'd been through all this, sold into slavery, lied about, in prison, in and out. Listen to what he said. In Genesis 45, verse 7, God sent, talk to his brothers, God sent me before you to preserve a remnant for you in the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now listen to this. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. You know, the brothers put him in a pit, sold him to those as a slave. Now all this has happened to Joseph. And his brothers come because of the famine. And he said, listen, God sent me here. It wasn't you throwing me in that pit. God sent me here. And he's made me to be a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Listen, God has a plan for you and he preserves you and he protects you so that you can fulfill that plan. I think about... uh, David, you know what it says in, in 1 Samuel 19, 1? Saul says to Jonathan, his son, I want you to kill David. I want you and the men to kill David. But you know, Jonathan was so close to David. You know, God protected. God protected David. Saul never touched a hair on his head. You see, God had a plan for David. He preserved and protected David for that plan. Now, you know, you've been through a lot. 
you don't understand why some of the things have happened to you. But can I say something? Here you sit this morning. I don't know all you've been through, but I'll tell you one thing. God has preserved you, and God has protected you so that you could fulfill his plan. Oh, no, 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 Fred, God's not that personal. God, that's, oh, oh, wait a minute now, wait a minute. Oh, yes. You're not just a number lost in the crowd. Oh, no, the hairs on your head are numbered. God knows you by name. And let me just say something to you. Don't you ever forget that God has preserved you and protected you to where you're at this place in your life right now where you can fulfill His purpose for your life. And so now we need to say, well, God, you've preserved me and protected me, and here I am, and I want to fulfill your purpose. This may sound crazy to you, but I understand it now. When I was 10 years of age, before I was born, ever conceived, my mother told God if he would give her a son, he'd give, me, give, give her that son back to be a preacher. So it was God's plan from conception that I would be a preacher of the gospel and that I would be here at Luke 4.18. That was all God's plan. But I'll tell you one thing. At 10 years of age, that's a young age. I, I don't know what the devil knew. I don't know what the demons of hell knew. But I tell you, I went through a time that it, it was only God's protection and only God's preservation that I, I'm, I'm even alive, that I'm even standing here today. And I didn't realize that. I, didn't, I just knew I was going through hell. And I didn't know why I was going through hell because I was only 10 years of age. But I look back from this way and I realize the torment and all that I went through, but how that God, over about a year and a half, brought me through. And you know what God said to me? I preserved you. And I protected you. So that you could fulfill the plan that I had for your life. Now let me say this to you. You're here by the grace of God. And you're here by the preservation and protection of God. And so now we've got to say, well, how can I fulfill God's plan for my life? Let, let me say a couple of things about his plan. This is, we all have this part of the plan. Stay with me. There's God's redemptive purpose for every one of us. You see, this is where we all have the same, God has the same plan for every one of us in this room. And that is God's redemptive purpose. Listen, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, your name was written across his heart. And I want you to understand, had you been the only person on the earth, Jesus Christ would still have gone to the cross and died in your place and shed his blood so you could be a child of the living God. And so God's redemptive purpose for every one of us, he sent his son who took our place, who shed his blood, who gave his life. He died so that we could live. And the only reason a person doesn't live is because they reject the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's redemptive plan is that every one of us 
would repent of our sins. Every one of us would realize the wickedness of our own heart. And every one of us would say, God, I I choose to turn from my sin. And I choose to come to Jesus. The Spirit of God convicts you. And the Spirit of God draws you. And the Spirit of God brings you to Jesus Christ. And you come to Him. And you experience life in Him. It's God's purpose and plan for every one of you to be born again. To be a new creation in Jesus Christ. And to know the life of Jesus here and now. That is God's plan for your life. But there's not only His redemptive plan, but I want you to know that the purpose of that redemption is this. You see, salvation is to get God back into our life. Salvation is not to get get us out of earth into heaven. Salvation is to get God out of heaven back in us in the person of Jesus. But once you're saved, all right, now listen, we all have this same plan. This is the uniform plan that every one of us have to be saved. But secondly, it's his plan to conform us to the image of Christ. Did you know the Bible says that very clearly? Well, why did the Lord save me, Brother Fred? I, I know he saved me so I could go to heaven. But, oh, listen, that's just, that's just a byproduct, friend. Listen to Romans 8. Listen why he saved you. To conform you to the image of his Son so that your life would reflect Jesus Christ. That's what salvation's all about. That Christ would come to live in you. You would die to yourself and Christ would live through you and you would reflect Christ. It says in Romans 8, 28, listen to this. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. There it is. All things work together for good to those who love God. Who are called according to God's purpose. What is his purpose? For whom he foreknew, he be predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Oh, the Lord saved me. And Jesus came to live in me. And the Lord saved you. And Jesus came to live in you in the purpose, person of the Holy Spirit. And his purpose was to conform you to the image of Christ. That when people see you. They will see Christ in you. Somebody said the only sermon they'll ever hear is the one they see in your life. They they may never darken the doors of a church, but they may work beside you in the same office. They, they, They may never come to church, but they live in the same neighborhood you live in. They may never come to church, but they check you out at the grocery store. They never may never come to church, but they you take your laundry to them and But you know, they notice something different about you. That you're kind, and you're loving, and you care. And they begin to say, well, what is it? And then you get an opportunity, God gives, for you to say, you know, God loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. And my only hope is Jesus You you see, let me say something. God's purpose was to conform us to the image of His Son. Where that Christ would live in us by His Spirit and our lives would reveal Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. They will listen to you after they see the way you live. But they will not listen to you until they see how you live. Actions speak louder than words. 
And I guarantee you, regardless of who it is, if love and kindness and concern and compassion come through you to any person God puts in your life. See, that's not the world we live in. This is a cruel world. This world uses you up and then tosses you aside. Oh, it's not about you. It's about the world. And so you've got to understand that many people, all they know is harshness and criticism and cruelty. And, 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 and they're used and abused. But now here comes somebody along that's loving and kind and gentle. Does what you don't expect them to do some act of kindness and they wonder they're not like the rest of the world what is it and it's christ in you and that's the purpose of salvation to conform us to the image of christ so that people would see christ in us and jesus christ would live through us you know what paul said in galatians 4 my little children of whom i travail in birth again Till Christ is formed in you. He said, I don't know if you Galatians are ever going to be like Christ. He said, I'm travailing in birth over you all over again until Christ is formed in you. So, you know, God's redemptive purpose is salvation. God's continuing purpose is that our lives would reflect Jesus Christ. That Christ would live in us by the Holy Spirit And we would allow him to live through us by dying to ourselves and letting Christ live his life. And so our lives will reflect Jesus. Hey, by the way, it's not hard to understand what the life of Jesus is. When are you like Jesus? When is Christ living his life through you? And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And gentleness, and goodness, and kindness, and faithfulness, and long-suffering, and self-control. Man, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And that's the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears in the life of a child of God. But let me go on and say this. And this is very important. I don't say this enough. God's redemptive purpose is that you would be saved. Secondly, that your life would be conformed to the image of Christ and that Jesus Christ, would re- your life would reveal Jesus. But you know, God has a purpose and a plan for you in his church. You know, God did not create us to be a loner. You know, he has a body. Did you know that Jesus has a body? On this earth. And Jesus has a bride. On this earth. The body is the body of Christ. The bride is the bride of Christ. Every person that's been saved. Is a member of the body of Christ. The church. Every person who's been saved. Is a member of the bride of Christ. So why do we gather on Sunday morning? Because that's the thing to do. We live in the South, and, and you know, we, we gather, you understand, on Sundays because we, we go to church. Wait a minute. You don't go to church. You are the church. You're the church. I'm the church. Jesus lives in us. We can get three together. I started to say in a restaurant need, but we wouldn't have our mind on the right things. You can get three people together. 
and Jesus lives in them, guess what? The church is meeting. Glory to God. It's not the building, it's the people. What joy it is to get with a group of people in whom Jesus lives, regardless of what you're doing. It could just be having fellowship. It could be anything. But there's the presence of Jesus there. And the church is gathered. It is gathered. And the presence of Christ there. And so listen, you, you, you know, whether you realize it or not, and I know you realize it, you are a member of the body of Christ. You are a member of the bride of Christ. And every member is important. And every member has its place. Just let, me, let me just read you a couple of verses that, that show how important it is about being in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now it's talking about the church. And by the way, you are the church. Jesus lives in you. You're the church. For as the body is one, the church, and has many members, the body has, our physical body has many members, and the body of Christ has many members. As the body is one and has many members, but all the members are of that one body. Being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now listen at this. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, the church, the body of Christ. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one, but many, many members. It says here, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as it pleased him. If one member suffers, all the members suffer. If one member's honored, all the members are honored. Honored. Now listen to this. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Okay. You say, well, Brother Fred, I'm, I just attend. No, that, that's not it. No, that's not it. If you're saved and you're a child of God, you're a member of, of, of a body of believers called Luke 418 Fellowship. And you know, every member of that body has its place. The hand cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. Because the hand does need the eye. So, but you say, Brother Fred, I'm not a hand. I'm a big toe. Well, it doesn't matter. I tell you what, you ever stumped your big toe? Your whole body suffers. Do you understand it's just not about us getting together on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. That we're the church. We're the body of Christ. And every member of the body has something to contribute. And every member of the body has a place. And there's nobody that, there's not, there's nobody that doesn't matter. And we've got to get that. You say, but I'm not, I'm not gifted in singing. Well, you know, some of us are, some of us aren't. I'm a great singer. But anyway, you know, that's not it. It's, that's not it. What has God gifted you with? Maybe it's shaking hands. Maybe it's praying. Maybe it's calling a person on the phone. Maybe it's going to see a show. It doesn't matter. It's maybe parking a car. It's maybe helping somebody out of the car. It may be helping somebody to come in. It may be taking care of a baby in the nursery. It may be teaching somebody and a, and a, and a, a bunch of children in a Sunday school. Listen, all you've got to do is this. Just know that you are a member of the body of Christ. And every member of the body of Christ is important. And God wants every member to find its place and do what God wants you to do. 
You say, well, I don't know my place. Well, let me talk to you. I'll tell you what it is. I'll be glad to tell you. No, I'll tell you how you can find out because we need each other. We, when we go into this new building, it's going to be different in the sense that, you know, I don't know how many people come. That's not the issue. But, man, we've got, we've got to become more a body of people that are joined together and everybody understands how important everybody is. I'm telling you, I don't see this church as a class. I don't see some people more important than other people. I may know some people better than other people, but I want to tell you, regardless of who you are, you, if you are a child of God, God has a plan for you and God has a purpose for you and you are valuable. You're valuable to the body of Christ. At Luke 4.18. And don't you ever forget that. You see, there's the redemptive purpose. Well, let, let me go on. And this is uh, the main part of my message. Oh, my goodness. It's 15 to 12. Does that bother you? It doesn't bother me. <laughs> no, th- I can do this in 10 minutes. If I don't, it'll be 12. But don't worry about it. I, I'm not going to worry about it. Because this is very, very important. I want to show you God's purpose for you. Turn to Second uh, Corinthians. Now, this is going to help you as much as anything I've said to you in many years. Turn over to Second Corinthians chapter 1. And, and, and you're going to understand why you've gone through some of the things you've gone through. You're going to understand it. And you're going to realize... That God is the purpose of it. The reason God let you go through it was so you could use it to minister to other people. Oh, this is what it's all about, y'all. All right, now look in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All right, here it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of all mercies. Praise God. Are you glad this morning that God's the Father of all mercies? Say Amen. He's the Father of all mercies, praise God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, the God who comes alongside of us when, when, when we're, whatever we're going through, the God of all comfort, the God that comes alongside of us. All right, read on. Who comforts us, He comes alongside us in all of our tribulation. God comes alongside of you in all your trouble. God comes alongside of you in heart of all your heartache. God comes alongside of you in all your joys. And the word comfort there, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and it means parakletos, one who comes alongside to help. He lives in us, but he comes alongside of us in our tribulation. Now listen to what it says. Who comforts us. Who comes alongside us. In all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that God comforted us. You know what that just said? Everything you go through, God has a purpose in it. You know what it is? So that you can comfort others. That God brings into your life. That are going through the same thing. There's a little saying that says. If you want to understand me. You need to walk in my shoes. 
And you can't understand me until you've walked in my shoes. Here the Bible's saying, you know, you had a tribulation. You had a trial. But you know what? The Holy Spirit came alongside you. And he comforted you. And he brought you through that trial. He brought you through that valley. He brought you through that heartache. He brought you through that illness. So that you now would be able to come alongside someone else who's going through the same trouble and the same heartache and the same tribulation. And you'll be able to comfort them with the same comfort that God gave you. Did you know, don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste them. God allowed you to go through that so that you could embrace others who are going through the same thing. And you could comfort them and give them hope and encouragement with the same hope and encouragement God gave you. Why do you think he allowed you to go through it? I got to thinking of all that we go through but how God will bring people into our lives. And God will bring us through. You know why you're sitting here this morning? God brought you through. Oh, he brought you through. That's all. I'm here because God brought me through. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me through. But you are too. Now, are you going to comfort others? Embrace others? Let them know that what God did for you, God can do for them. For example, I got to thinking... How many of you have gone through a serious physical illness? Some of you have been cured of cancer. Some of you still have cancer. Some of you know what it is to sit in a waiting room waiting on chemotherapy. See, some of you know all the, 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 all, all the ins and outs of what it is to deal with cancer. And, and you know the, the highs and the lows. But let me tell you one thing. God brought you through. So now, what are you going to do? You hear somebody that's got cancer. And you know, you embrace them and say, listen, I don't want to invade your world. But I want you to know, I've been right where you've been. And I know exactly how you feel. And just let me tell you how God will help you. And how Jesus will bring you through. Hey, that's the body of Christ. That's God's redemptive purpose. And then it may have been some other illness. But, but then God has brought you through a, a depression or mental anguish. And most people don't understand depression and they don't understand mental anguish. But you know, and God has brought you through. He brought you through. So what are you going to do? Don't waste your sorrows. You find that person. Who's got depression and mental anguish. And you embrace them and say, I know how you feel. I've been there. But I want to tell you, God is faithful. And you're going to come out. God's going to bring you through. This is how God ministered to me and brought me through. You see, listen, it says here that God comforts us in all of our tribulation that we might comfort others with the same comfort wherewith God has comforted us. Let's think about addiction. You say, well, 
What kind of addiction is there? You name it, there's addiction, okay? <laughs> Some people are addicted to food. Some people are addicted to, uh, to drugs. Some people are addicted to alcohol. Some people are addicted to prescription drugs. Some people are addicted to sex. Some people are addicted to por pornography. Some people are addicted to bitterness. Some people are addicted to unforgiveness. You know, I come to this conclusion, everybody has an addiction. Well, I'm not addicted to anything. Well, look in the mirror. Would you please look in the mirror? But you know, the purpose of Jesus is to bring us through addiction. And I find that people who've been set free from addiction soon find a place of ministry to people who are that way. And so that when the people come in, they, they understand them. They know the hell they're going through. They know the withdrawal. And they're there to embrace them and say, but I do understand. I've been there. And I was a lot worse than you are. But God brought me through. And I want to tell you right now, if God did it for me, God can do it for you. You see, you thought you just went through that. No. Don't waste your sorrows. Embrace that person who's gone through and you tell them how God came alongside you and comforted you and brought you through and that you're on the other side. I, I, there's some of you who've experienced divorce. And I've, 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 I've talked to many, many people who were divorced, some because they wanted to be, some because they didn't want to be. Some because they were lost and didn't know how to build a marriage. And, and some because of the unfaithfulness of the other partner. There's a million reasons people get divorces. But the, the, re the reality is this. Whether they, what the reason was or not, they need to get it right with God if they need to. But then they're living in that reality. Now nobody can understand somebody who's been through a divorce like somebody who's been through one. Right? Well, you're not sure about that, are you? Don't you sit back and judge a person who's gone through a divorce. You don't know what hell they might have lived in. Come on. Don't, don't, you, don't get sanctimonious and pharisaical. I mean, come on, give me a break. I had one guy tell me about his marriage. I said, I'll help you get a divorce. I, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I said, what, what time do you want to load the truck? But I tell you what you can do. God hates divorce, but he loves divorced people. He loves divorced people. He hates divorce. He loves divorced people. He hates adultery, but he's loved people who've repented of adultery. He loves the sin sinner, but hates the sin. I never will forget. This lady went through a, a divorce. And I hadn't seen her in a while, and I told her God was going to bring her through, and that she was going to get, I, I'd never been through a divorce, thank God. And, but I, I, I told her God will bring you through. I've known others that God will bring you through. And I don't know what you're feeling, but I, I understand rejection. But anyway, I saw her <laughs> at a wake of, of, of a, uh, for this person who had died. And she came to me and said, Brother Fred, God's helping me. And I'm going to get through. But then she said it. But she said, let me just tell you about di divorce. Divorce is worse than death. Death has a finality to it. And you just keep living with divorce. You know, some people who have been through a divorce, 
Seems like they can't ever get beyond it for some cotton-picking reason. It, it may be the other person or it may be the children involved. But let me just say something. We've got to embrace people. And where God has comforted us, we've got to comfort them. And we've got to give them hope and help them come through to the other side. Amen? Amen. And I, this is the last thing. Boy, I didn't do a good job of doing this in 10 minutes. But I'm, here's the last thing. And that is, some of you have lost your job. <laughs> and you know what it is to make out, fill out a lot of interviews. And you still had not got a job or you've got one. God gave you one after a year. And some of you have gone, because of many reasons, into deep financial distress. Okay, so who can go to a person who's lost the job and now is in financial distress? Who can go to them and say, let me tell you something. I know exactly how you feel. I know how it is to be turned down. I know how it is not to hear from anybody. I know how it is for them not to call you back. But I want you to know, God, 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 I got a job. God brought me through. And I want to tell you, God's going to bring you through. Is there any way I can help you get there? And then if you find out a person, most people won't tell you if they're in financial trouble. But you get with them and you sense that for some reason that they're, they're just struggling financially. And God lets you know that. So what do you do? You know, I, I remember uh, what it is to struggle financially. Uh, yesterday, I mean, I remember what it is to struggle financially. It's not how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Some of you are real managers of your money. Others of you, you haven't got a clue. I understand how that is. I was with a preacher the other day. He says, now, do you ever think much about planning for retirement? You, you planning, you're trying to have some money when you get out there. And I told him how much I had, and he said, you're in bad shape. <laughs> well, I bought enough boats and cars to be broke 10,000 times. You said, that wasn't good stewardship. I know it. But it happened. So don't, don't condemn me. Come up and say, Brother Fred, you're going to make it. I need it. <laughs> oh, me. My wife reminds me of all the boats I bought. That is not good. And that is not good, honey. You don't need to bring that up anymore. <laughs> you know what a boat is? It's a hole you pour, uh, in the water you pour money in. You just keep pouring it and pouring it. But anyway, if you've got somebody that has lost their job, Maybe you've been through that or somebody that's in financial trouble. What you need to do is you need to go put your arms around them and you need to comfort them with the same comfort God comforted you and the way God brought you through. See, that's what it's all about. We're members of the same body. If one member suffers, all the members suffer. If one member rejoices, they all rejoice. Do you understand? You're not an island. We're a family. And we need to embrace each other. And where God has helped us and brought us through, we need to find those and embrace them and help them through. That's God's purpose in your redemption in Christ.